Alrighty, hello. It's Kyle Cruz, and you're listening to the KC at the Movies podcast for February 13th, 2019. One day before the big V-Day. One day out. Um, on, this, on today's uh, podcast, we're going to be talking about Velvet Buzzsaw, Climax. And, uh, you know, we're going to try, bring a returning segment um, that I had going on earlier on in the uh, the early podcast days, my, my first 10. Um, might try and bring that back, but uh, we'll see how it goes. And a bit of movie news as well at the end. But mostly going to be chatting about uh, Dan Gilroy's um, follow-up to Roman J. Israel and Nightcrawler. Uh, Velvet Buzzsaw and they'll be talking about Gaspar Noe's new film Climax which uh, was came out last year but I was able to catch it um, just the, I think like last week sometime I forgot what day I watched it on so that's what we'll be going on about um, was again we're supposed to, was wanted to do this one a couple of days ago but um, I had other some things I was working on I was writing a few things um Really stressing about uh, how to fitting all these things things in. Really, um, again, just having some uh, money issues and um, trying to work out how to balance everything. And uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm like a very busy person, but uh, the things I want to do creatively are just you know, uh, it's been hard lately to focus on one sort of thing and get that out of the way. Um, so I've been writing different things here and there and, you know, constantly writing in my notepad about things I want to put into this um, podcast. Because um, by the day, I'm getting even more um, serious about it. And uh, it's just been, I don't know, it's just been weird. I've been kind of, uh, not afraid, but uh, kind of pressured by time itself. And... Um, I say this because uh, one of my best friends had written a wonderful article about how, uh, you know, like how time uh, controls us, really, and uh, it's a really brilliant article because uh, it was I was thinking the same thing before it was even uh, before she even uploaded it. I uh, I was honestly thinking the same thing, and uh, it's like, yeah. She read my mind. So uh, you want to check that out. You go on... just going to plug my friend. <laughs> uh, you go on to Banks Your Woman. And um, it's probably one of the first articles on the page. It's definitely one of the most featured ones, I think. Um, you've got her book review of um, Sadie, I believe. Um, so if you're bookworm, there's one for you there. But um, if you want to read that article about time, I think it's a brilliant article. Um, check it out. Because that is exactly how I've been feeling lately. Even though I'm not the busiest bee in the hive, um, I just yeah, I feel pressured. Even though I don't, shouldn't need to be. And uh, I don't know. My mind's just being really fucky. Really, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm also on this uh, ketogenic diet now. Um, trying this thing out. Uh, you're not familiar with it, it pretty much is it's a uh, low carb, high fat diet. And uh, you're designed, you know, you do ex- exercise to burn off that fat. 
if I'm being completely honest with myself, haven't really been doing as much exercise as I wanted to be because I, normally that would, you know, I need to be walking around and stuff. We've got a row machine in the back, but uh, I like going out for a walk and exploring and, you know, doing other things. And uh, I went for a long walk the other day. And uh, I thought, you know, I, I could keep going back to that place and keep doing that walk, but you, know, you want to go to different places, you want to try some things out, um, especially when you're walking out in, outside in nature. So, um, I was just, I, I think I was just getting bored of that, that place. And then to go to this other place would be more, you know, um, would have to, I'd have to put my petrol in the car to go there. So that's what I'll be, you know, that's what I'll be doing. And at the moment I just don't have the money because I've got two, I'm going to see both Arctic Monkey shows when they come to uh, Sydney. So I'm going to be saving for that. And uh, after that, um, I might have some travel plans. I don't know, might have some travel plans. But don't know when that could be happening. Also thinking about moving back to Sydney. Uh, yeah, a lot of things happening, you know, within my mind, really, um, that I just wanted to share with you guys. And, uh, yeah, that's what's been happening with me lately. I'm still getting through the uh, the feature film onto episode two of the mockumentary series that I'm creating with um, one of my best friends, uh, Jordan Wood. And uh, obviously that will need a budget and everything, but we'll get to working all that one out later. It's right now. It's just coming down to writing with the you know writing the script and developing the characters really. Um, but I'm also writing the uh, my feature film at the moment as well, which is. Um, which is uh, proving to be very hard. I mean, you get, you get, talk about writer's block. I've, I've had it almost every time. <laughs> I'm trying to get back to it. Um, so what I've been doing is I've been picking out different pieces of the film and writing that down and making different drafts of that. Um, which has been helpful. But um, again, that they are separate, so I need to insert them in later. I'm just trying to figure out how to, how to uh, advance this current scene I'm in. Um, so that that is the problem at the moment with it, but uh, hopefully it comes to me soon. Normally these things come to me at like four o'clock in the morning, so who knows? It could happen tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, that's what's been going on. But in between all this, all that, I've watched um, I watched quite a few films actually. Uh, leading up to Valentine's Day, I'm watching I've never seen the Before trilogy by Richard Linklater, so I've been watching that um, alone. Yep. That's what we do. We film lovers. Um, so I watched Before Sunrise, I believe the first one is. I watched Before Sunrise uh, Monday night, then I watched Before Sunset t last night, and then tonight I'll be finishing off by watching for Before Midnight. Um, before Midnight. And... Uh, also, I just want to announce before I carry on with these next two films, I'll be doing a, on Valentine's Day, yes, tomorrow, I'll be doing a little short, a short podcast just to help you guys pick out some Valentine's Day movies. They'll kind of be kind of unconventional. They're not going to be like your run-of-the-mill rom-coms rom and everything like that. There may be a few in there. Um, but they're, you know, they're probably, they're going to be my personal picks. Um, and hopefully there's some new ones for you to pick out as well. Um, and I definitely recommend the Before Trilogy right now because... After watching the first two films, wow, <laughs> absolutely love them. 
there's just something so the chemistry between Delpy and um, Julia Julia Delpy and uh, Ethan Hawke is uh, is part. It's so incredible, and they just bounce each other so well. The dialogue is so flows so well. It, it feels real. Um, and I mean the the two films are just you know right. Probably all three films are just them talking to each other the whole time. There's no plot really. It's just them talking to each other about all these different things that, um, you know, I find myself discussing on a daily basis as well. So, we're going to be finished before midnight tonight, and then I'll be probably be talking about all three of those movies tomorrow on tomorrow's podcast. Uh, but of course, I'll be recommending some other ones as well. Um, probably some picks that you've never heard of, but there are probably some picks that you have heard of from me, probably. Because I remember doing a one not last year, or year before, when I was doing in the early stages of the podcast, where I did my Valentine's Day picks. So I thought I'd do that again with um, with these movies, then, and you can actually find it this time. Don't have to pay any fucking money. And uh, tomorrow I'm also going to see Happy Death Day to You. So I'm uh, very excited about that. Rewatched the first one last night, still holds up. Had a good time. So I can't wait to see that again. Love Jessica Roth. I think she's becoming much of a breakout hit, really. And um, really would love to see what they're going to do with the sequel. If they're gonna, what they're going to do, really. I don't know what they would do with it. But um, having seen the trailer, looks like we're going... It's affecting a lot more people than her now. So um, see what happens, I guess. But that is going to be tomorrow. Tomorrow's podcast. The Valentine's Day podcast. I'll be talking about all that stuff tomorrow. Um, it'll probably be a bit shorter as well. It won't be uh, the normal length. So, yeah, don't worry about that too much. So, let's uh, let's get into it. Let's talk about the two films I want to talk about today. And we're going to start with Velvet Buzzsaw. Um, this is Dan Gilroy's follow-up from Roman J. Israel. Before that, he had, he had written and directed Nightcrawler, one of my favorite movies of all time. One of my favorite Jake Gyllenhaal performances of all time. And he brings back Jake Gyllenhaal and Rene Russo for this one. Um, as you, if, if, if you didn't know, Rene Russo was the, uh, I think, I believe she was like the CEO of the news network in the Nightcrawler. And that's what she, Gyllenhaal's character, um, uh, what was his fucking name again? Um, Lou Bloom, I think. He ends up working for her and then that's how he, you know, descends into what happens there at the end of the film. Which you haven't seen Nightcrawler, I won't spoil it for you, but it's just really great. That end is going to catch you off guard. The cinematography is beautiful. Jay Gyllenhaal's performance is one of the best I've ever seen. And it's so committed to his character, really. But can I say the same about Dan Gurry's newest effort here with Velvet Buzzsaw? Um, now, first off, I just want to say, I just want to preface by saying that if you've seen the trailer to this film, uh, you're probably going to have some very strong feelings after you've seen it, um, especially saying that you're probably going to be thinking that, like, well, that was shit. Uh, that was nothing like I expected. And, you know, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm with you on that one because I do believe that this film has been mismarketed heavily. Um, it really is not what it is been marketed as, I believe. Uh, when I finished it, I've seen it twice now. 
um, when I finished it the first time, I was like, well, that was not what I was expecting, but I really liked it anyway. And now I watched it the first time to really get what people didn't like about it. And I was picking more about, you know, picking more up on that, but I actually did like it even more the second time. So, um, this, so I just want to say first off that this is not a horror film. Uh, the trailer makes it look like a art house. No, not art house. Really, an art, a horror of the horror film of the art set inside the art world. Sorry, Jesus Christ, <laughs> catch me words there. Um, it's not that. Uh, it does have its horror elements in it, but I'll get to be talking about that in a minute. It is really a satire of the art world and the um, critical kind of world that is, you know, in, you know, involved with, like, galleries and everything like that, art showings and everything. It's definitely more of a satire. It's more of a dark comedy, I'd say. Um, it's not a horror at all. Um, so if you go into this film, uh, you've... I'm guessing you've probably seen the trailer because Netflix... It's on Netflix, by the way. It came out February 1st. And, um... If you go into this film thinking that it's going to be horror, you're really going to have a really bad time. So, I just want to say that go. you need to go into this film knowing that it's definitely it's a satire. And you, I think you would have a bit more fun of it. Um, I don't really know for sure what, uh, you know, what you'd end up thinking about after you finished it. But I just want to... If, if I give you this just kind of... Um, uh, I don't know. If, kind of idea that, uh, you know you know it's going to be a satire when you go in there, and then you see it's a satire, and you experience the satire to yourself. I mean, it's... It'd probably be... A, it, it would feel stronger, I guess, but I've had a lot of friends that have seen it, just seen the trailer, not knowing that it's going to be a satire. I came out of it saying it was shit. And um, there's a lot... It's been slammed by critics at the moment because of its mismarketing, and it, because of its... Um, it not being what it really wants to be, really. Um, it's trying to be two different things. And I do see a bit of that, but... Uh, when I see this film as a dark comedy, more of a satire, I have a lot more fun of it, honestly. So, um, I just wanted to give you guys that. So, what did I think about it? Um, I want to start off by saying Jake Gyllenhaal is, is again, he's, he's amazing. He's amazing here. Um, he plays a film critic named Morph, and he's this really, this uh, bisexual film critic as well. Um, he's just really out there, really, yeah, kind of outlandish character, very unhinged Gyllenhaal is just fantastic at playing unhinged characters. Like, he's really good at playing characters that have an arc and then just snap at the end of it, and then just become this kind of, kind of deranged kind of human. And uh, he's really good at doing that, and he does it. He just knocks it out of the park again for me here uh, as Morph. Not one of his best performances, but definitely another good Jay Gyllenhaal performance. As Morph. Loved him. Loved Rene Russo as well. She was so... She's so good at playing the boss. I believe Rene Russo and uh, Dan Gilroy are together. Look, they're, they're married, I think. So, probably why he brought her on again for this one. But also probably because of the chemistry between um, her and Jake from uh, Nightcrawler. So, she was good as well. Loved her. Um, I liked Zora Ashton as well. Um, she's a... Kind of a British up-and-comer. She was good as well. Um, John Malkovich was good. The guy that played Don Don, um, he was alright. Didn't really mesh with him. Always going to love Billy Magnuson. Um, he's just so good at playing a douchebag. I love it. But I um, would like to see him play someone different. 
um, than what he usually does. He reminds me of his character in Ingrid Goes West, kind of, but more of a... I don't know, it's hard to say millennial, but um, more of a kind of... I'd say he's more douchey in um, Ingrid Goes West, but there's like a different level of douche in... in, uh, in uh, uh, fucking... Oh, Buzzle. Wow, I forgot the name of the film. We've also got Natalie Dyer from Stranger Things. Um, who plays uh, Nancy from... I believe it's Nancy from Stranger Things, Will's sister. Mike's sister? Okay, I haven't... <laughs> I think it's... Um, I think it's Will. Is it Will or Mike's sister? From um, Stranger Things. Let me just quickly fucking look this up. Probably screaming at this fucking podcast right now, saying who it really is, but uh, I've already checked for myself. You know me. Um, what the fuck? What's going on here? Oh, here we go. Uh, Nancy Wheeler. Wheeler. Mike. Yeah, Mike's sister. Yeah. So yeah, she's in it too. She plays kind of this uh, assistant to Ray Russo. I uh, won't say anything more about her, but she kind of plays the assistant and she's more... Um, I liked her character kind of... You know, I liked I liked Morph the best, but uh, her character was also really likable as well. Most of these characters are unlikable, I'll say that right now. Um, and that's kind of what I think Dan Gore is trying to say here with the critical world. Uh, most characters are supposed to be unlikable. You're supposed to hate these characters. You're supposed to want them to fucking die. Um, but I do see why people like a character to latch onto, and, and I do see why people don't have a character to latch onto in this film, because they're all so unlikable. So I do see that kind of part of it, but to me, I, I just thought that it really worked for the film. Um, it's a really nice, really neat satirical look at the kind of art versus commerce world, profiting off of one's work, um, you know, taking credit for something that, like, um, you know, taking major credit, really, for something that, you know, you just, you just, you just found, really, and, uh, it's not your, you're not supposed to be in your hand. it was not supposed to be in your hands, but yet you're making your profit of it anyway, and it's kind of the, you know, poking fun of that, it's, it's definitely, it's kind of, a, it's like a revenge film, really, through art. Um, it's got really, really great visuals, especially with the paintings. Oh, some of the paintings are hauntingly beautiful. Um, and you know that, you know, that they come to life and everything, and, uh, if you've seen that in the trailer, but, um, I'm not really going to say they come to life, but they definitely have an aspect where they do kind of, you know, seem alive. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a... It's supposed to be a scary film about the art world. Um, again, I'm not. I'm going to reiterate. It's not that scary. Its tension doesn't really work that well. Um, getting into cons here, it doesn't really work that well. Um, there are moments where there's different. There's th different sequences where the characters are kind of creeping around, and then you're expecting a jump scare, but you don't really quite. I was not really. I didn't really think there's any jump scares really in this. If you if you want to count the bits where, um, you know, certain things happen to characters. Involving the art, uh, I didn't think it didn't really get me, and I'm I'm a bitch, I'm a, I'm a little sook, so uh, didn't really get me. I don't think they were really that strong. The tension doesn't really work. The horror elements are quite kind of weak. So again, that's why I say that this film is more of a dark comedy and satire than a than a horror film. Um, if I look at it on that kind of in that kind of way, I appreciate the film much more.
and I really appreciate the film's message as well. Um, but that's just the trailer, man. I don't know why they decided to market the market the trailer like that. It really reminded me as um, it really reminded me of, of Drive, one of my favorite top five favorite movies of all time. Um, if you haven't seen it, I mean, we need to have a conversation. <laughs> but um, great, just a great film. It's uh, when I remember Drive came out. It was marketed as kind of like this action thriller, when it's really this character study. It's kind of a slow build romance as well. Um, about this guy that's you know dealing with these things in his life, and he wants to put, you know, make um, prioritize more. Uh, I guess prioritize this this romance that he has with Carrie Mulligan's character. I mean, Ryan Gosling's in. It's one of his best performances, honestly. Um, and it's a slow-moving beast. It's not this quick bang-bang action thrill, Liam Neeson kind of thing. Um, it's very slow. It's got a fantastic soundtrack, beautiful sound design, uh, and, a, and again, a great character study of Ryan Gosling's character of Driver. Um, but that's what it reminded me of, and then that's why that film wasn't received so well because of how it was marketed. And that's why I think that's what's happening with Velvet Buzzsaw is because. People are expecting one thing, and then they just get shocked when they get just this, you know, this, um, something completely different. And, uh, unfortunately, that's what's happening here with Velvet Buzzsaw. Very bad marketing. Um, wow, I don't know who decided to do that, but very bad marketing. And the trailer spoils a lot of things, man. The trailer, unfortunately, spoils a lot of major deaths. Um, I had to... I remember I was I had a movie night with two friends of mine and uh, I was showing them the trailer because I thought it was a good trailer but then I well I do I did notice that it did spoil um, some major things at the end of it so I showed them the trailer and then about halfway through turned it off and was like oh that's that's all you need really and even halfway through it starts revealing major plot details so I mean you don't you don't need that and I'm really sick of trailers doing that man. I'm really sick of trailers showing so many things, almost showing the whole film. And um, another trend, I just want a bit of a tangent. Another trend that trailers are doing nowadays that I really don't like at all is showing is doing like a five-second teaser before the trailer begins. And that trend needs to stop, man. That trend needs to stop immediately. Because what what the fuck is the point of watching the trailer when you get this kind of quick ten-second teaser? before the trailer begins, like, you're seeing the same things over and over again. So, yeah, I really don't like what they're doing there with that. that yeah, I don't know what's going on there, but don't like what they're doing there with that stuff. Um, yeah, so, you know, back to Velvet Buzzsaw, I will say, let's just go over the con uh, the pros again. Jay Gyllenhaal's great, Rene Russo's great, it's got great visuals. I think it's a really, really awesome satire of the... Uh, I don't know, he's awesome... Uh, effective satire of the uh, critical world. I thought it was anyway. Um, a great look at art versus commerce, profiting off of people's work that's not yours. And um, kind of, I mean, Gilroy said in an interview that it, this is about, you know, people put their heart and soul into the work and then you get these people that look at this and just see it as another thing that's come off like a conveyor belt or something and just say, oh, well, that's, you know, let's dissect that, all that shit, that's bad look at that from, you know, surface value to saying that they, oh, that's, yeah, that's shit. Oh, they didn't put, 
they didn't put much effort into that at all. They that's that means nothing to me. Um, I think he's trying to say that like you know artists like you know directors and writers put things a lot of things into their work. I feel like right now with my feature film, it's definitely one of the most. It's definitely it definitely is at the moment the most honest piece of fiction I've ever written. So um, coming from you know. Things based on my life, not fully based on my life, uh, but like things I'm pulling from my life, putting a bit of myself into the work as well. Um, I do see that. Uh, Remind me also of my third short film that you know was kind of um, pulling a lot of things from my life as well, from my you know um, mental state, from my psyche. So I do see that. Um, so I, I think it works in that way. If you go into the film um, thinking about it like that, it definitely works in that way, and I think you'll have fun of it if if you um, you'll definitely like Jake Gyllenhaal. He's definitely uh, a likable character, um, and you'll probably like um, Coco, who's played by Natalie Dyer again. She's really good as well. Um, but the performances, the strongest performances to me were Jake Gyllenhaal and Rene Russo. They bounce so well for each other. Rene Russo is so good at playing a boss bitch. Jake Gyllenhaal is just knocks it out of the park as a bi fucking, as a bisexual art critic. He's great, so magnetic. Um, so I really like Velvet Buzzsaw. I um, I'm in the minority of the people that actually like this film, and um, I'm I've seen it twice now, and um, I'll probably watch it again in the future. The more I think about it, the more I like it. So, um, yeah, I just want to champion it a bit more because there's a lot of people that are hating on this film right now and you want to be those one of those people, that's fine. There's people that's in the middle, that's also fine. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the minority right now. The people that actually have some things to say about this film actually really like this one. So, um, that's Velvet Buzzsaw for you. And that's on uh, Netflix right now, if you want to check it out. It's uh, coming out on February 1st. So, uh, it's on Netflix right now. Check it out for yourself. Make up your own opinion. Don't uh, don't just follow the sheep. So moving on to Gaspinos uh, or No Noe, how you say his name? Um, I've been, I've always been saying Gaspino, but Gaspinos uh, climax. This is his uh, follow up, I believe. From Enter the Void, um, I believe it is. I believe it's this follow-up from Enter the Void. Let's just hang on a second. Let me just do some bit of bit of fucking research. Oh, no, wait. 2015. Oh, from Love. I thought Love came out before Enter the Void. Oh, my apologies. I thought Love came out before Into the Void. Okay, it's his follow-up from Love, which came out in 2015. Oh, wow, I believe... Oh, fuck me. I thought Into the Void was after Love. Okay, that's my that's my bad. Um, if you don't know Gaspar no, he made Irreversible. Then he made Into the... Um, you know, no, you'll know from Into the Void. You'll know him from Love, which is... Um, everyone, will, everyone will say it's a very long film. Because <laughs> it is. It's a very long film, very slow film. But also, I, I thought it was a beautiful film. Uh, got one of my favourite movie scenes of all time in it, the um, the threesome set to um, Maggot Brain. And then he came out now with a dance film. 
called Climax. Um, it's got a very uh, kind of an unknown cast. Um, you'll probably only know Sophia Butella uh, from like Kingsman and Atomic Blonde, films like that. Um, and she plays a uh, character named Selva, or people call it Jungle sometimes. I noticed in the film people call it a Jungle, so is that her nickname or something? But, I um, mean, yeah, it's written and directed by Gaspar Noe again. And it's about a, these these kind of French dancers that uh, have to rehearse for a big show, I believe. And they're rehearsing this kind of empty school building. And then they have this big rehearsal. And uh, they take a sip from a sangria. A bowl of sangria, which has been done by one of them. No one knows who. But a, uh, a bowl of sangria. They have a little of a break. And then they find out that the sangria has been laced with LSD. And then from there, the night just deteriorates. And I'll just say that. That's all I'm going to give you. Um, this film really, uh, yeah, left me kind of uh, short of breath. It's... Um, it's 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 nice and quick. It's it's about ninety minutes, but it could feel slow to some people. Definitely because there's not really much happening over it. It's literally just a bad trip of a film. And um, I'll, I'll say I love the opening dance number. I think the dancers here were extremely talented. The things that they'll be able to do kind of scared me. Really, <laughs> it's kind of uh, got me a bit worried. Um, there's uh, there's some people that can dislocate their fucking you know, their bones and do certain things that could seem impossible to a normal human. Uh, but these, these dancers can pull it off and they're very, very fucking good at doing it. The opening dance number I was, I was encapsulated by. Um, I love Sophia Batello. Her performance is very raw and visceral. Um, she was great. Uh, one of one of her best to me, really. I really hope she gets something really big soon because um, I think she's great. Um... It's definitely once you once you hit it once you hit the mark where they've where they've you know ingested the uh, the LSD it starts getting a bit crazier. Um, it kind of starts out normal. I will say I will give it a little bit of a con here. I didn't I didn't really care about the bit of the chatter before things begin. Um, it's kind of about kind of nonsense. They just talk about fucking each other and um, different. You know who hates different people, and you know talking about from his backs and everything. So you know I I could have done could have done with less of that. Could have could have got through that a bit quicker. We could have got to the trip, I'll say, a bit quicker. But um, once you get to the trip, oh man, you are in. You are in for the ride. It um it just escalates into this nightmarish hellscape that is um so adrenaline filled and makes you both physically and mentally uncomfortable um, there are things that happen in this movie that you just will not believe you will not believe um, very very horrible things happen but um, you know you're going to get that with a Gaspar Noe movie think fucked up shit's going to happen you're going to get, you're gonna, you're gonna get that um, if you haven't seen any of his other films I probably wouldn't start with this one um, because he's going to be like probably turned off because I think he's done some really great work. I mean, Irreversible's great, even though even though it's a very very cruel film. I think Irreversible's great. Enter the Void's a great experience. 
and then um, Love is my I think Love is my favorite film of his, but um, Climax um, might have climbed climbed the ranks. Sorry about that. Um, the dialogue seems a bit improvised as well. It didn't really seem like it had a bit of a script to it. It looks like there's more. It, you kind of uh, go off the chemistry between all the actors and everything, um, and the conversations they do have with each other because. You know, the dialogue is some kind of... is some bullshit sometimes. It definitely feels improvised. And, um... But there are some people that... There are actually some things that he do actually care about. There's a, there's a uh, little plot... There's a little kind of relationship with... Um, Sophie Batella's character, Selva, and the young young boy. There's a little boy in the film. And um, his mother. Which I actually did care about. And, um... And uh, what happens there... Who did not see that coming. <laughs> um, it gets strangely violent at times. It's definitely, a, it's definitely, it definitely makes you very uncomfortable, I'll say that. It definitely comes, comes becomes very uncomfortable um, as the trip goes on. And uh, as the trip goes on, the film starts off with this very kind of, you know, you've got a lot of... Um, bird's eye view cams, you have a lot of still cams, you have and then quick flashes of scenes and then once the trip goes on the film just changes into this kind you get you start getting Dutch angles, you start getting upside down angles you start getting more, I'd say more frenetic camera work and um, really suits um, the uh, situation, it really puts you in that kind of uh, mental state that they're kind of going through and I'll say it works really effective in that in that part. But uh, yeah, I would just say something that something that I didn't really like that I couldn't really. I mean, even I had to like kind of look away from was there's these kind of dances and you you kind of get like you know people that do um, the contortionists in the world that like to you know bend their bones and do things that looks in you know humanly impossible. But uh, there's certain scenes where it, there's a red flashing light and it's definitely made to look more nightmarish and more um, uh, kind of frightening as they're dislocating their fucking bones and staring right into the camera. There's a lot of extreme close-ups. And uh, I was definitely kind of uh, shriveling in my... Uh, not shriveling, really. Uh, shaking, really. I was. I was, I was shook as the... Uh, as the young people say. Um, well, I'm one of them. I should know that. But I was quite shook by those scenes. Um, but yeah, but I gotta say, it really works. It really, really works. And after I got through the 90 minutes of it, it's like I took a breath of fresh air. I was just like, fuck me, thank God that's over. And not in a bad way. Um, I think it just achieved its purpose and its goal effectively I think and that works and that that's what left me with holy shit I just went through something so um, they're definitely gonna work there so if you're a fan of Gaspar Noe and you do like his work you're gonna I think you're gonna like Climax and you're gonna have some fun and enjoy and find some enjoyment with it um, it's definitely celebratory of dance as well so if you're a dancer you might find it good you might want to want to dance again after watching it but um, definitely definitely uh, drinking sangria <laughs> after watching it, but, um, you'll probably like it. Uh, if you haven't seen any of Noe's films, if you're not really a fan of his work, this will probably maybe turn you off. You might be a little more uncomfortable than I was, 
and um, I've seen most of his films, so I know exactly what I'm getting into. But uh, yeah, if you're not really, you know, don't really know much of his work, I think you'll um, you'll just be like, "What the fuck is this? <laughs> what the fuck is this?" Honestly. Um, but that's that's climax. Um, you can grab it now. Really, it's um, it's available on demand. And uh, I don't, are they releasing a Blu-ray? I'd love to see a Blu-ray. Um, but um, really good. Another notch in uh, his fucking weird belt. <laughs> so there, those are those films. Um, let's get on now to the a little uh, little segment on trying. Um, can try some movie news right now. Um, I've got a few things I want to talk about. I don't really want to talk about a lot of everything that's come out, but I've, I've just got to do things that I'd like to address and put my uh, own opinion in. Um, recently, we got word that Avengers is going to be three hours long. And uh, I'm down for that. I, uh, we, I think Avengers Infinity War is about 2 hours and 25 minutes or 2 hours and 23 minutes. So I'm definitely down for a three-hour film. I've definitely seen longer films. I mean, I've seen Dance with the Wolves. I've seen Lawrence of Arabia, and that's they're, they're almost four hours long. So, and I haven't had to do any breaks in between them. I've had to watch them in in full. So um, I'm definitely down for three-hour runtime. Test audiences have said that it's they haven't had to go. They didn't want to get up from it because it's so good. Um, this could be better than Infinity War. This could be. Don't know if it's going to make the same money, but it could be better than Infinity War. So, um, yeah, that's definitely, um, I'm definitely down for that. I'm definitely down for three hours. I can, I can probably do it. I know some friends that are, have to need, have a, you know, a weak bladder. They need to go to tour it a lot, so it couldn't work for them. You'd definitely miss out on some, um, plot points, but, um, because apparently there's a lot packed into this one. I mean, there would be. It's, uh. It's the end game, so uh, they're definitely going to be a lot plucked into it. Um, so yeah, I'm down for it. I just want to say I'm down for it. Three hour runtime, not bad. Let's go. Let's finish this off. Other news from uh, last week, really, was um, James Gunn is now writing and directing the new Suicide Squad film. Um, again, his recent firing of um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which I'm still not over. Um, still think that's fucking bullshit. Fuck you, Disney. So now he's going on the dark side and uh, writing and directing Suicide Squad, which I think is a pretty well-matched project for him to um, kind of like Guardians as well, kind of looking at misfits, but also he works very well with dark comedy. Um, and his writing style is very, very comedic, comedically dark. Um, see what I did there? See what I, uh, pretty much said the same fucking thing, but using different words. Um, so I think it really suits him well. Um, keen to see what he does here. Be cool if it rated R. Be cool if you get a rated R Suicide Squad. Um, and look, the Suicide Squad 2016 was just a fucking mess, really. Um, the only thing I really did like was uh, Will Smith and uh, Margot Robbie. 
everything else. And I did like the only person that really got an arc really was Diablo, and everybody else was just shit really. So um, hopefully something happens. They're calling it a soft reboot. I would like to see Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn come back. I know she's doing Birds of Prey this year, but I'd like to see her come back because I think she just nails Harley Quinn. So I'd like to see her come back. If they don't get her back, I don't know who would replace her. I don't really have any ideas, but just happy to see that James Gunn is getting getting some work and um, something that could suit him, really, in the DC Universe. Um, and the DC Universe needs fucking help at the moment. Um, but Aquaman's been doing well, so maybe not. Um, but it, just it, just what I've seen before Aquaman, I just, oh boy. Except Wonder Woman. Loved Wonder Woman. Um, right, yeah, moving on. <clears throat> I wanted to talk about um, this whole kind of uh, Liam Neeson situation. I know, I'm treading on, treading on some mice here, aren't I? Treading on some, uh, treading on some something that could cut me. But uh, I just want to give. I just want to say my part in it. I just think it's. Uh, I just think it's honestly. I think it's bullshit. Um. I think it's honestly just fucking bullshit. And um, people are taking this way out of proportion. It's something that happened almost 40 years ago, I believe. And um, I just think it's really shitty to tear a man down for something that he honestly regrets doing. And, uh, you know, tearing him down for really sharing that with us. Um, he just wants to, you know, because it did remind him, this film, I think, reminded him of something that did happen with his past. So he's, his friend did get sexually assaulted. It happened to be an African-American man. And, um, I mean, he was living in Ireland at the time, so it probably wasn't. Anyway, it happened to be a black person. So, he was obviously angry about that. It probably would be... He'll probably be angry about the same thing if it was, uh, you know, a white person. So, he's just, you know, just the... His, the his, I, I believe he had... I, I don't want to say he had courage to come out and say that and talk about that and say that he's definitely changed as a person. He's not, doesn't... He regrets being in the headspace. And uh, I just think it's absolutely wrong that we're just blasting him like this um, absolutely wrong absolutely wrong they were blasting him like this it honestly reminds me of the James Gunn situation of something that he did 10 years ago this happened 40 years ago so absolutely fucking ridiculous and that everyone that has been putting this out of proportion taking things out of context mixing things up go fuck yourselves find something else to fucking report on um Looks like people can't change anymore. People can't grow as a human. We we can't talk about things that allow us to, you know, shape us into a better human being. We can't do that. We can't have that conversation anymore. We can't speak out because we'll immediately be shunned by these people who encourage that sort of thing, but they're kind of living on two different fucking playing fields here. Do you want us to do that, or do you want us to not? You know, do you want us to keep things out and then, you know, this is this is this is honestly what breeds. The kind of people that beat up, you know, the kind of men that kind of beat up women or, you know, the kind of people that do these horrible acts, they bottle things up inside and they can't fucking express anything, so they have to take it out on something else. And this is what you're fucking doing. This is what you're fucking doing. 
you feel so good about talking, about saying things that speak up and everything. I'm talking about the fucking SJWs here that have to, you know, they say, oh, speak out and talk, you know, it's freedom of speech. And then you immediately jump on a man for trying to fucking share his own fucking experience. And you immediately jump on him. Go fuck yourselves, you fucking hypocritical cunts. Absolutely ridiculous what we're doing here. Absolutely ridiculous. One love my ass. Um, and something else I wanted that's kind of making me angry as well, uh, might as well keep going on this fucking rant train, is uh, the Academy. What the fuck is going on here? What is going on with the Academy? Fucking, what's his name? Something, Ryan Bailey or Bill Bailey, whatever the fuck your name is, the person in charge of the Academy. What are you doing, man? What the fuck are you doing? Do you even know what you're doing? Because you seem to be making the dumbest fucking decisions, and you, and you just backpedal on everything. First of all, you try and go on a, on a most popular. We're gonna make a most popular film category. Everyone thought it was horse shit because you're just probably gonna nominate Black Panther, and then Black Panther's gonna get that anyway. That award was literally for Black Panther to get that award, so they could fucking nominate that and feel fucking good about themselves. Honestly, what a load of horse shit that that award was. Never down for that anyway. But now you're saying... First of all, you've got no host, which is just ridiculous. Second of all, you want to put... After immediately saying that you've got no host, you want to get all the Avengers in. You want to get all the Avengers in to present an award because, you know, you want to have everyone famous there. You honestly just want to have... And I know it's been like this for a while, and people have been telling me this, and I, and I know and I know it's becoming more of a popularity contest of who they want to be there. The Grammys was the fucking same thing on Monday. It was just who they wanted to be there so they could get the award. They wanted to just... But sometimes it's a mix and match. Sometimes they want to award different things. Sometimes they want to award the little fellas. So make up your fucking mind what you want to do, Academy. Because yesterday's decision was the one that took me over the top. Took it over the fucking line. Your decision to cut cinematography and film editing awards out of your ceremony is... Again, may I reiterate, horseshit. And completely disrespectful to the people that have, you know, done that kind of, that done that job. That have done, put in the effort to get nominated for that award. To do that during the ad breaks, how fucking disrespectful do you have to be? Film wouldn't exist without cinematography and editing. Film doesn't exist. There is no film without the DP. DP is the one that creates those images that you see on the screen and look at them and go, oh, that's a fucking good movie. And then just, oh, and then we'll, we'll vote that in. What, are you going to vote a fucking black screen? Because th there's nothing there. Black you, may as well, you may as well just do it. You may as well just put a black... If, you're, if you do not want to properly acknowledge and respect the people that have putting, are putting a film together... Being cinematography and editing being core, core, critical aspects of filmmaking. You may as well just fucking put a black screen off a nomination. Just put a film that's just a black screen. No cutting, no cinematography. That's what makes a film a film, dude. That's what makes a film a film. The person that is behind the camera, the DP, which is who works very closely with the director, might I add, 
to make a fucking movie, may as just take out the director too because you know they're they're the two fucking people working, you know, the hardest on it. And I'll say the producer as well. But film is a collaborative effort. Film is a collaborative effort. You have all these people coming together to create this art, this craft. It's a collaborative effort. So you want to acknowledge all that, but you want to take out two, two of, I'd say, the most important aspects of a film. Editing and cinematography. And you want to just do that during the ad breaks. Fuck you. Go fuck yourselves. What a spit in the face. And you're probably going to backpedal on that too, aren't you? You're probably going to backpedal on that as well, aren't you? Oh, no, we didn't... Okay. Oh, no, 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 no we, we'll... Uh, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll, we'll do it again. We, 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 so we, made a, we made a mistake there. I mean, honestly, who's the fuck is running the show at the Academy? Fire them immediately. Fire them immediately. The Academy loses credibility and becomes a joke every single fucking year. It moves closer to the biggest fucking joke that I can think of. It moves closer and closer and closer to it because of the dumb fucking decisions the Academy is making. Just, oh my god, drop who's ever run on that show. Becoming, it's just, it's just, it's, it's the danger of, of, of uh, all these things that is kind of, you know, hurting our, hurting our side at the moment. The, the cancel culture, the, uh, the censorship. We're becoming more of a, I mean, it, it's happening here in New South Wales, for fuck's sake. It's happening here in New South Wales with the, the, the festivals being shut down. Our live music culture is dying because of our government being absolute cunts. And I just, it's just, it's spreading. It's spreading, man. And I'm, I'm getting worried. And, uh, just, this decision just opens up so many areas of my mind which have all these thoughts and uh, opinions of the academy and, uh, and and that opens up even further expands off to world issues and everything and just what is happening in our world at the moment I'm sorry but I have to say we're not we want to reach that area we want to reach that goal of loving each other and, and having a one love and you know accepting you know acceptance and um respect but I mean at the moment I don't think we're I don't think we're anywhere near it so unfortunate to say but and you know there's people that want to believe in everything they want to kill it out I've just I've got to state what I'm what I'm seeing here what I'm what I'm observing I want it too I want it too but we're not there yet And, um, yeah, I don't know, sorry, a bit of a tangent there, but had to really get it off my chest. Bit of a venting at platform, isn't it? <laughs> um, but that's just, I felt, for the people that have worked on my film for the last, you know, my last four short films, I felt for all those people that 
were my friends that were behind, with, behind the camera with me. Um, the DPs, the editors in the labs. I fell for them immediately. I was just like, well, this is just a big, huge, saliva-filled spit in the face with a bit of phlegm. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry I've been disgusting, but that's literally what it is. It's a spit in the face and a, and just a fucking... They're just taking a piss. That's what they're doing. If you want to shorten... I believe the issue was they wanted to shorten the ceremony. Okay, if you wanted to shorten the ceremony, get rid of the opening monologue. That's always fucking bullshit anyway. Always always um, panders to being political. Get rid of the opening musical number, which has got nothing to fucking do with any of the films that have been nominated or been honoured. It's got nothing to do with it, so get rid of that. Get rid of the bullshit sections. Get, how, about, how about we get rid of you? How about we, how about, how about we get rid of you? Uh, what's your fucking name? I'm going to get your real name. Um, uh, fucking leader of the academy. CEO, uh, no, 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 Um, what's his name? Ah, uh, fucking hell. Um, what's his fucking name, man? Got to get his name. Hold on a second, guys. Sorry about this. John Bailey. Right. This is what I find um, hypocritical about this as well, and a bit a bit ironic as well. He's a cinematographer. What the fuck, dude? What the fuck? What the actual fuck? My God. Just ridiculous, man. Absolutely ridiculous. How about we just, like, if you come out and do your little speech, how about we just skip your speech? Because, you know, no one's going to give a fuck. You're probably going to get booed anyway for what you've fucking done here anyway. So there's no point for you. There we go. We saved 10 minutes. There we go. We saved 10 minutes. And that is enough time for those awards to be presented on air. So, as, uh, that's just really pissed me off. That really pissed me off. So disrespectful, man. So disrespectful. Anyway, I'm going to calm down. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, I'm going to calm down for now. And, uh, you know, yeah. Let's get on to something different. Let's let's talk about something positive here. Well, it might be something positive. Oh no, there probably there probably isn't. <laughs> there's a few things that are positive, but there's another thing that's. Oh god, we're going to talk about that. Um, I'm going to try something, uh, try this thing again. Um, I used to do, on the earlier podcast, back when I was on SoundCloud, I used to do um, trailer analyses and um, looking at trailers and of, of the week and everything and talking about them. Probably going to talk about every single trailer that come out, but I like to do some, put out the highlights and talk about them and what I saw. Um, so I might be trying, I'll start doing that this week. And see how that goes. If anyone likes it, let me know. If you don't like it, let me bloody know. Because it pretty much goes off your feedback. you got to tell the show that um, is uh, you know good for your audience. As long as it's good for yourself as well. But, um, you know, I like talking about trailers. I know trailers nowadays... I had a rant about it before. Trailers are now ruining movies nowadays. They're If they're done wrong. But sometimes they're done right. 
and they work. Um, the first trailer here I want to talk about, Hobbs and Shaw, way too long, first of all, way too long. Very funny, I like the chemistry between um, The Rock and uh, Jason Statham. It was also the chemistry in Fast and Furious 8 was really good too. And that's why that's what obviously spurred this sequel. Sorry, spawned this sequel, sorry. Um, kind of, not sequel, this kind of spin-off. Um, it looks ridiculous, it looks so fucking ridiculous and stupid and over the top, and I'm all for it. Idris Elba being the villain has been a super soldier. I mean, just give it to me now, please. <laughs> I want it now. It looks so fucking stupid. But I want it now. But I will agree, that trailer was way too long. Um, we got a new trailer for Pet Cemetery. Um, it's... Um, Looking pretty scary, looking pretty scoop, spooky. Remember, I saw the first trailer and was just like, eh, okay, yeah, you're right, okay, alright. It's a bit, uh, not too scary, but uh, I see what you're doing there. But then I watched the second trailer and it's actually much more scarier than uh, the first one. Um, big fan of Stephen King, I'm pre you're probably going to like it. I mean, it's really cool to see this finally. People are really excited this has been finally adapted to the, to the screen. So, um,. Uh, you know, good for them. It's um, it looks pretty decent. It looks pretty. F it looks pretty fucking creepy. Um, and I like Jason Clark, so um, that that could be fun. I, again, I don't think I'm gonna go see it, but um, just wanted to put it out there that that's actually a pretty decent trailer and um, looking pretty spooky. And um, I mean, man, those ch those kids. Whew, fuck. Talking about kids, Child's Play. Huh? How about that? How's that for a segue? Um. <laughs> They've remade Child's Play, and uh, it's literally it's it's going to be a reboot of the series. I mean, we've had what probably like six, seven films now, I think, in the Chucky series, um, which have started off as kind of being you know thrillers, horrors, going into dark comedies, really, with a few jump scares. Um, and I've always had fucking nightmares about that doll. Holy shit! Um, yeah. This 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 trailer was wasn't much, but yeah, I, I don't think I'd go and see it because again, that the, not the doll still gives me nightmares, um, and uh, I haven't even I think I've seen the first one. People wanted me to watch it for my October thing last year, but I never got around to it because I think I was just it was like I don't know if I could do it, get past that. It's like one of my not one of my biggest fears, but uh, something I seem to have a really occurring dream about. Um, and that, that's based off something I saw of, like, years ago when I was a child. So, um, yeah, maybe something I'll never get over. Maybe I need to see a therapist, who knows? Does it mean something about my past? Does, do I need to dig deeper? I don't know. But, um, you know, it looks, looks pretty cool. Um, my girl, Libby Plaza's in it. So, um, I'll probably see it when it, um, hits DVD or Blu-ray. Um, I'm not saying DVD anymore, Blu-ray really. That's kind of becoming an obsolete form of media. Um, definitely his Blu-ray, I'll probably check it out because I will watch anything that Orbi Plaza is in. Um, love her. Ever loved her ever since Parks and Rec. So uh, I mean, it looks pretty cool. Cinema, it looks it looks more of an updated version of it. The cinematography looks cool. It looks like it's going to be more more of a scary film and then more of it, um, less of a dark comedy than what it, that films have become. But um, you know you've got um, the producers of it are, uh, joining hands again. 
probably, I think you've got Brad Dourif again doing the voice of Chucky. Don Mancini is writing and directing. So, um, I mean, it looks pretty decent. I think, I think so. Is Don Mancini, oh, it's Lars Klevberg, sorry. Don Mancini's writing, but it's Lars, Lars Klevberg is directing. What has he done? Polaroid. Polaroid The Wall. That's a short film. Oh, they're all short films. Oh, he he is doing another film called Polaroid. Oh, it's coming out this year. Okay. Okay, I haven't read any of these movies. But he's done some short films. This is probably his, one of his... This might be his break breakout hit. If, it, if it's good. Got some good stars in it. We've got... Um, we've also got Brian Torrey Henry as well from Atlanta. So, um... Could be good. And is Brad Dourif being Chucky again? Let's have a look. Brad Dourif, Brad Dourif. Doesn't say. Does not say. Maybe there's no voice. Because the trailer is no voice of me either. So uh, I reckon they're probably saving it for the film. Hopefully they are. And that's what you do with a trailer there. You show some really crazy moments. You show some moments that you get people excited. You don't show the fucking extreme, like really extreme plot details. Just, that's it. That's all you need. I think after even watching this trailer, people are just like, yeah, I'll go watch it. And that's all you need, really. That's all you need. Uh, moving on to Aladdin. The live action Aladdin. Um, really, I was never really a fan of this when it even was, even was announced. Um, but I'm not going to say, like, it's going to be shit. It's going to be shit. And just scream it from the fucking rooftops. But I'll tell you what is shit. That CGI. Oh, boy. <laughs> that looks terrible. Um, it was, you know, you, you saw the, uh, the human form of Will Smith being the genie on the, you know, Entertainment Weekly covers. You got that first kind of teaser trailer, which is pretty cool, set the atmosphere. Um... And then you've got you got this new trailer, this kind of TV spot, which showed um, which showed uh, Will Smith as the blue genie, and uh, to me that's going to be causing more more nightmares than Child's Play. Uh, my God, fuck! <laughs> um, you'd think they'd just work a bit more in that CGI. Jesus Christ! Fucking hell! That's a talk about a hellscape. That's it right there. Uh, but again, that, that doesn't doesn't really say what the film is going to be like. It's going to say what the rest of the film. Um, I love who's playing Jasmine. I think she looks great. Um, not sure about the guy. Not sure about the guy playing Jafargate either. But um, uh, it, you know, I just the only thing that really stood out to me was that horrific looking genie. Um, and uh, who knows if Will Smith's going to be do something different with it? He's it's definitely it's you know it's an impossible task to really replace Robin Williams. But, um, uh, but, sorry, I got distracted by something. Um, it'd, it'd be hard to replace him. I mean, he, it's a fantastic performer. One of the best, um, voice act, one of the voice, voice actor performances I've ever witnessed. So, um, it'd be hard to do, emulate what he did. And I think it'd be you like no one would want to do that. Um, but Will Smith just looks like he's being Will Smith at the moment, really, and it's not really pleasing me. 
it's not impressing me at all, and I think the CGI looks very bad. So, um, that's my opinion, but I know some people that I've already talked to someone, one of my good friends, who, who think it's looking alright, so... I'm not gonna, you know, hate on it until I actually see the film and have my own thoughts, because it's not really fair to, you know, judge something if you haven't even seen it yourself, so... But from what I, what I have seen from the trailer, kind of deterred me from going to see it at the moment. Uh, yeah. I tell you what, what I want to see though is Teen Spirit. I'm fucking nailing it with these segues. Not really, but I try. Um, Teen Spirit. Elle Fanning's new film um, about being a pop star, kind of giving me Vox Lux vibes, even though I haven't seen Vox Lux, but I watched the trailer, and I know it's, I know it's mostly about. So it's kind of been giving me kind of Vox Lux. It kind of looks like the... Uh, I mean, are we going with a PG rating for this one? It kind of looks like a watered-down version of Vox Lux, really. Um, but I love Elle Fanning. I love Rebecca Hall. I don't know what Max Minghella has done. Um... Oh my god. Dude, that's Lee from Horns. What the fuck? <laughs> oh my god, I had no idea. <laughs> okay. Wow. And he's... So he's mostly an actor. Is this his first... Is this directorial debut? Yeah, it is. Teen Spirit. Okay. Alright, so it's his uh, directorial debut, so keen to see what happens here. Love Elf Thanning, liked the... It's definitely, it sounds like it's going to be peeled by kind of like a pop soundtrack throughout the film. And uh, I'm okay with pop soundtrack if you do it really well, and, and, and it, I like the vibe of it, so... Keen to see what happens here. I mean, I'm probably just going to watch it for Elf Thanning and Rebecca Hall, but... be interesting to see what Max Miller does, because he's normally an actor, and I know him from Horns and the Social Network, so it'll be interesting to see what he does here. Um, early reviews have been kind of okay to mixed, like good to mixed. But um, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna watch this one. Um, hopefully, it comes out here in Australia. But if it doesn't, well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> just uh, I love Elle Fanning. Um, everything she she chooses really really interesting projects and uh, love what she uh, love what she does. So. Definitely keen to see if Teen Spirit. Um, I also watched another trailer today called... Uh, it was Yesterday. Trailer of Yesterday. Danny Boyle's new film. Um, it's about this guy that uh, has an accident and then he is the only one that remembers the Beatles. That is literally the plot. He's the only one that remembers the Beatles. And, uh, you know, you, you could look at that plot and just be like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, how stupid is that? Uh, and it's a bit weird if Danny Boyle... Because I thought he was doing a Bond film, but... Now he's doing this film, but um, and I was like, Dude, really, the director of Train Spotting, 127 Hours, and uh, yeah, uh, what was the last one he did? Yeah, you know, Trance, um, some just really kind of interesting films. I mean, Train Spotting is one of my favorite movies of all time. I mean, these kind of really interesting films he chooses, really great projects. 28 Days Later was his first one. Uh, but then I remember he did Slumdog Millionaire, and I was kind of getting Slumdog Millionaire vibes from it. Uh, from yesterday, kind of it being, you know, an uplifting story and all that stuff. Um, I do like his kind of more rough, around-the-edges films to his more uplifting films, but, um, you know, I'm, uh, I don't hate it. 
I don't hate it. People have been really shitting on this trailer, but I gotta say, I don't hate it. I, um, I, I'm kind of understanding the message that I think he's going for. I mean, and also Ed Sheeran is in it. I don't know why. Um, he was so, he caught me so off guard when he was Game of Thrones. I don't know. Uh, I guess it, it fits this part more because he's a musician. And, um, but, yeah, he uh, he's in it. It was really weird seeing him. But you've also got Lily James. You have Anna de Armas. I love her. Love both of these women, actually. Uh, Lily, Lily James and Anna de Armas. And um, you have uh, Himish Patel, who has got the guy that realizes that um, he, he's the only person that remembers the Beatles. And I guess he takes on... You know, writes their songs and performs their songs and um, and introduces the world to those kind of people. So I think it's it definitely is. I mean, it's written by Jack Barth and Richard Curtis. Um, Richard Curtis has written something before that I know as well. What has he written before that I know? Oh, about time! I love that movie. He's right. He's written a lot of. Uh, Okay, right. He's written a lot of rom-coms and a lot of really uplifting films. Um, Mamma Mia. Yeah, okay. Same production company, I guess, as well. Um, so, but I'm, I'll just say, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate the trailer. I was a bit, I was like, okay. I wasn't like, fuck yeah. I was, I was like, okay. Alright. So, that's, that's my thoughts on yesterday's trailer. Um, and finally, our last trailer we got was um, Tolkien. Which is based on uh, the uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote uh, the Lord of the Rings books. It's um, led by Nicholas Holt, who plays the you know, who plays J.R.R. Tolkien. And uh, it was only for these 57 seconds long. Um, could have went for a nice minute, but um, well, that's really a minute, really. You could have went for the the one hour thirty. I kind of it was kind of hard to judge it from a 57 second trailer. It was kind of hard to like look, kind of uh, understand it really. I know it's going to be about. Um, it's coming out really quickly as well. Coming out May, in May. So um, a bit worried about that. That the trailer has just been released now and it's coming out in May. So that kind of gives me the idea that studios don't really trust it that much doing well, or maybe it's not what they thought it was going to be. So that kind of gives me that kind of uh, kind of idea. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to think about it, really. Don't know what to think about it. I think that... Uh, well, I will say this. The people who say Nicholas Holt can't carry a film... Um, you, you know, you can have that opinion, but I have to disagree. Um, I think he works I think he works great in supporting roles. I loved him in Mad Max. I loved, I loved him in The Favourite. Um, he's fantastic. He's so underrated in The Favourite. My God. And, uh, but he's also really good in that uh, Kill Your Friends, which is based on that pretty much Wolf of Wall Street music movie. Um, now, the movie itself wasn't that great, but I think his performance as well, and I think he carried it, and I was really, you know, stuck to him on the screen. I think he was great in that. Um, so, I will say, I guess I have to watch, I'll have to watch the movie to, um, and, uh, you know, kind of see if he does a good job of it. But, um, again, I haven't read the Lord of the Rings books. I've only seen the movies and seen the Hobbit films. So, I don't really... Everyone knows, you know, Tolkien fans know that he 
um, you know, why he wrote those books and what ideas he had and the kind of person he was. So I guess it was kind of, maybe it's kind of an opportunity for me to see what kind of person he was and, and to see what inspired him to write those books. So, um, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe that's a good um, opportunity, really, to do that. Um, but what about you guys? Are you, you guys going to see these movies? Are you, gonna, you, gonna, you excited by these trailers? Uh, watch uh, Velvet Buzzsaw on Netflix. Um, and uh, watch Climax if you want to give that a go. If you feel brave enough to uh, watch Climax, give that a go. It's, it's quick, promise you. It's quick. It's not fucking too long. Um, it's nice and quick. It's not like Enter the Void, which is like fucking two and a half hours long, I believe. I believe it was two hours long because, like, I really liked that movie, but I thought it was way too long. Yeah, two and a half hours. Uh, I thought it was way too long. So, um, but this one's probably, I don't know, maybe a shortest film, maybe. Um, so do check that out. I recommend both films on the podcast today, so do, go check them out if you want to. And uh, any of those trailers or those, all those movies that you want to see, let me know if you're going to go see them. We'd love to have a conversation about it. And um, how bullshit is the Academy right now? Let's just talk about that. How fucking shit is the Academy right now? Um, losing hope every day, it seems to be. Guys, I will talk to you tomorrow on the Valentine's Day podcast. I'll be recommending some films that, you know, might have flown to people's radars, but more people know about. There might be some films that do people, people do know about, but it's not getting enough love. Um, you know, I hope to deliver something a bit more different and fresh, but... If it turns out stale, uh, you know, I tried. <laughs> so I uh, hope you enjoyed this week's podcast, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow on the Valentine's Day one. And um, peace out. Enjoy. <laughs>